Hello all and welcome back to this New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, Eve, New Year's, depending on when you're listening to it, pre-January transfer window virtual boot room special. Paul and I are back a little quicker than normal to uh, get back and talk transfer. So since the, the January transfer window in the real world is upon us, we thought, why not talk transfers in the virtual space. So Paul, are you ready for an all transfer window focused discussion today? Born ready. Born ready. Let's talk about how I sign people and why I waste my money, as you would say, on them people. <laughs> so we will start this off in saying um, <laughs> the plan is not to talk a whole lot about the winter transfer window or the January transfer window. It just happens with timing that we're talking. Um, I think for the most part, January transfer window, and you can jump in here, Paul, is to me is a lot more straightforward. You're basically just filling gaps, um, strengthening some key vulnerabilities that you've observed, you know, to either survive, kick on for promotion. Um, but generally, I find January to be a, a real straightforward transfer window. It's the summer where all the interesting stuff happens. Yeah, without shadow of a doubt, as you said. By January, you're looking at the table thinking, mm, I maybe need some experience to pull me out of this so I can maybe bring in some future stars because we, we're comfortable mid-table, it's time to build or we need some experience to get us out of the division upwards. It's, it's as you say, it's a, a fill-the-gaps window. So, okay, so just to see how serious we are, I've got two beers here ready, so we are ready for a lengthy discussion on transfer windows. Damn it, my coffee's nearly empty. Oh, how could you do that? We, we, can, we can power through. We darn well better. But I case yes. I at least came prepared for the affair here. You, on the other hand, as usual, slacking your way through the affair. I made notes for one of the first podcasts I think ever. I've actually got some notes. Not of actually what I do, more of just like the, the brief notes to remind myself about my youth assessment and stuff. Okay. To make sure I don't forget parts of it, then I'll go into more details. Okay. So we're going to start where all summer transfer windows start day after the season ends. So we'll say for for those who are managing lower leagues, you know, your day after the season ends, how do you, how do you start thinking about the summer? I think the first thing you got to do is the end of season review, haven't you? You've got to go through your team and make sure one of your favourites is not actually letting the side down. Make sure uh, go through check check the the pass percentage, check the shot percentage, the interceptions, the tackles, the headers one ratios. Um, go through all the stats. Um, chances created is an important one that Matthias was talking to me about. Um, the FM scribe. Um, Stats, 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 and more stats. Um, going through your team, making sure the central midfielder you fell in love with wasn't actually causing many mistakes, which were costing you goals, for example. Do, do you know what I mean? It's all about assessment, isn't it? It's about making sure, making sure you know who is leaving the club. If you have 10 people whose contracts are running out, make sure you're assessing them properly. Make sure you're not actually getting rid of somebody who's good value for money to be honest so i will give you transfer this is this is the fm yanks transfer window tips this is tip number one never 
handle a transfer window right a- immediately after you close that season. Always get up, walk around, and take a deep breath. Just because exactly what you said. The last thing you want to do is, you know, you just came off some some huge relegation scrap. You barely survived. You're you're on a high. You know, you feel good about guys that you that you can't think about objectively, or you know, better yet, you scream through promotion. These guys just took you right up back to back, and you think that they're going to ride the world, or you just got relegated and you're going to sell everybody. You know, always get up, take a break. When you hit that transfer, when that when that season ends, no matter where you land, take a break, get up, walk around, you know, get a get a coffee, grab a beer, what you know, just something. Probably it, best you don't get a beer because then you're just going to end up you're going to end up giving that contract to that that kid who really should be let go, the Bram Ellison of Collins World. <laughs> you'll end up you'll end up half drunk, giving him a contract, looking back the next day, thinking, damn it. He's on a five-year deal now. <laughs> Never stick offer. to coffee or water. Stick to coffee or water. Fair enough, but but put some space into it. Do exactly what yeah. you, what what you said. Then you can sit down, start that assessment. Really, really be able to think through without the cloud of or the high of whatever just happened um, uh, on top of it. There, I think that that's such a a key thing that I've learned that. So many knee-jerk emotional transfer windows put you in such a weird spot for the following season, or you're you're retooling things in the middle of the season or the middle of the summer trying to, to fit some weird piece that you probably didn't really need or want in that one. So give yourself the benefit of time, take that moment, come back, and re-attack it. And then tip number two, have number a plan. Two. Always have a plan. I find there there are a few things in the world and you know watching some of the, the different groups and, and things like that where you get the like shiny window shopping where it's like, oh, he looks really sweet. I'm gonna buy him. And it's like, but what are you gonna do with him? If you know, like there are few rare examples where like, okay, fine, if you get out there and like, you know, Paulo Dybala falls into your lap, you figure out what to do with him. But for, you know, the Bram Ellisons of the world. Oh, you're, here you go. you're not you're not going to sit down and be like, oh God, this is the world's greatest midfielder. I'm going to build an entire midfield around him. Like it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> to be fair, I did just send you a screenshot before we started. <laughs> Somebody I was so excited about, <laughs> and you just went, well, he's crap. I did because, well, he's crap. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Let's put it this way. The Bram Ellison of 2018 is now in my series. So anyone who followed in the past. Bram Ellison, version 2.0, is here. And his name is Watts. And Joel he is a Watts. He has played 40 appearances already. By the end of the season, if no injuries happen, it will be 44 appearances before his 17th birthday. Legend. Sadness. Just sadness. But have a plan. I I, I always think, you know, and and you know, we've we've talked it numerous times, you know, in the past. I think I've even talked variously in the podcast. I always have a notebook with me. I've I've got notes, I make scribbles. What am I trying to do? What do I see during the season? Because a lot of times, especially with, with the series, you know, or with the with the ones I've been playing where, you know, I'm I'm doing more continental things than that is, is there's a huge gap of time between when my continental season ends and when the transfer window hits that I can start to be effective in. So the, the odds that I'm going to forget observations, you know, 
lose track of things that I notice that I need to rebuild um, to push forward in those in those kind of uh, you know those games and those levels is huge. So I always keep notes, m make sketches, but build a plan because once you have a plan, you will you know that that is your blueprint for attacking the window. Agreed. I've got myself a little whiteboard now. Not not the big one which people see in episodes, but I've actually stuck a whiteboard to my desk. Ooh. So to the left-hand side of where I sit now, I've got like a like a six-inch by four-inch little whiteboard, um, which I just make little notes on. That's where I've got my notes on today for this podcast. Pre prepared. I mean, people are watching this thinking, do you know what? This is one smooth podcast. And it's because I've got notes. It's because I've got notes. I mean... If you're watching on iTunes, give it a five-star rating just for the notes, to be honest with you, Colin. To be fair, they're listening. Nobody's watching. Why'd you have to do this? Just to help just point out being smooth. Just to <laughs> help point smooth. out how not smooth that was. <laughs> I needed to point out how not smooth you were. It's it's what I do. It's what brings me happiness. Well, do you want to hear what my next point after end of season review is? Okay, so we are now end of season. We've got a plan. We we've are not. We we are not emotional. We are objective, and mm, we've debatable. got a plan. Well, you're emotional, but yes. But we are. We've got a plan. We know what we want to do. What happens next? So after my end of season review, which obviously goes out on an episode with it's a YouTube series, um, after that will be the end of season review review, which is then when I go back and look at all the players who I said I'm going to release. And look at them again, but more, as, as you said, going away from it and coming back. It's just about kind of taking a step back, right, should I release this guy? He's on a non-contract. What's he going to, what harm will he do staying at the club? Should I release this guy? He's on £200 a week. His replacement will be £300 a week. Is it, is it going to be worth it? Does he hit them sweet spots? Which I always say, if you're... If your central defenders get between 70 and 80% in headers one ratio um, and tackles one ratio, that is the sweet spot to really consider keeping them, in my opinion. Um, because they, they win in a lot, especially in football manager, headers one ratios can really vary. I've seen central defenders down at 59, 60% for headers one ratio. And these are defenders who you think would be really good defenders in, in the game. So. We're we're gonna put a little caveat and say remember that Paul judges guys like Bram Ellison as legends. So, legend, legend. <laughs> yeah, one job: get the ball and pass it. He always did it. He always did it. <laughs> no, but I think you get, you have a good point, right? Is there's key statistics at each position that you want to look at and and really use that as a as a driver, and it really it really helps that objectivity. I think you know you had a good one for. You know, for your central defenders, you know, headers one. Um, I like. I also like to look at interceptions. Um, well, I like interceptions, but what couple of things with interceptions is the first thing is why did he have to intercept the ball? Was he not close to the man in the first place, and he had to quickly run across and cut that pass out? Um, did he dive in front of the in front of the attacker to intercept the ball? And if he did, how many times does he do that and miss the interception? Do you know what I mean? So I kind mm. of, I almost would would look just as much at the tackles one ratio because quite often you will find 
that means they letting the striker control the ball, then winning it off them. I just worry that the interceptions um, stat doesn't take into account the fact that that kind of means they're jumping forward too much ahead of the attacker, and if they miss on the ball, then it's costing you maybe a lot. No, it's an interesting point. So when you're so when you're when you're assessing your defense, um, now here's to to wind back before the window. When you're when you're playing games, do you make notes on players or or non-goal situations, even in highlights, but non-goals to, as to what's going on? Notes. He's really pissed me off. Um, mob, but I do take a lot of notice into it in terms of. Um, Okay, I've got my defenders on cover. Are they dropping back too deep? Are they pushing up? If they are dropping too deep, is that causing their striker? If they play in a deep line forward, are we giving them too much space by playing on cover? Are we giving them too much space playing on deep? Um, should we play a stopper to, to nullify this um, deep line forward? I'll make that kind of assessment um, in terms of my, my players making mistakes as we're leading up to a window. I do keep an eye on them in terms of, right, well, he's just cost us a goal jumping for a header and completely missed it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. it, I, don't, I don't forget about it. So if, if, if a player does cock up, it, it stays in the memory. Okay. No, it makes sense. I, I try and keep little scribbles, especially if I'm seeing, like, a pattern, you know, where you see, like, through balls or over the top yeah. or those kind of things. Okay, so from our central defender perspective, so we're looking at, you know, header one you know our header one percentages we're looking at tackling percentages let's move out to our our back wide men um fullback slash wingbacks depending on on tactics that that you're using what kinds of things do you look at from your wide defensive men um i'm looking at the passing percentage i'm looking at the tackling percentage and very important is the mistakes comparing to the mistakes leading to goals. Um, I find that quite important, um, especially with your wide men, because for my, my fullbacks, what I want them to do is I want them to run wide with the ball, um, but also fewer risky passes, um, shorter passing, etc. So what I want to do is kind of monitor, is that making them make many mistakes? And if it is, is it costing us goals? And is one of them worse than the others at doing that? Um, so I'll often that's quite something important for me because they they get on the ball a lot. So I'm curious how many mistakes they make and how many times it costs us goals. So the passing stat for my fullbacks is almost as important as the tackling stat. Now, do you pay attention at all? Do, do I guess tactically the way you set up is crossing an important characteristic for your fullbacks? Um, no, I'd, my fullbacks are never going to really get in the position across the ball. Okay. Um, I mean, they, they will sometimes, but I mean, I'd, I'm not going to be on them because, I mean, quite often we work the ball into the box and we very rarely we will have success from just a, a deep cross, for example. Um, quite often my fullbacks will get assists from just long balls over the top. If there's literally nothing on, they just go long. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what individual instruction you have on them the your fullbacks will always just go along at the low leagues if they panic sure well um, i mean it makes sense but, to a but three or four times a season you'll get a goal over so because especially when my striker is very good at this level so 
quite often he will he'll end up getting in. He ends up getting in, getting a goal, and you think, oh, <laughs> that came from nothing. <laughs> yeah. So so we're on playing. Um, I, I also I, I'll augment, and I like cross. I like looking at my at the cross. Um, percentages for yeah. for my fullbacks for for success on that because at least domestically um, I push my you know I, I let my fullbacks bomb up the wings and and really push a lot of attacking uh, emphasis in in the side and really push push that um, forward pretty aggressively because yeah. I'm not particularly worried uh, in a defensive. No. Um, well, this is what I was going to ask you. Um, I've been researching a lot about. What- um, and I've been reading a lot about um, the I can't remember the name of it. The said the the, the so- soccer metrics, but you know, like the baseball. Oh, soccer is um, the but yeah. the yeah, but the baseball actual term for it, I can't remember what it's called. Oh. Something international baseball league metrics. Oh, I something. Yeah, I, I know what you're remember. talking about, but I forget. Yeah, but I've been I've been watching documentaries after documentaries about how all of it works and stuff, and just like how the Oakland A's implementing how a lot of what they did was players like, for example, a winger coming in to play fullback or a central defender coming in to play striker. And I I actually I was sat watching the Moneyball movie a couple of days ago, um, and I thought about you at, at this point because I knew we were doing this podcast. And what I thought was, in the the league with TNS, mm-hmm. have you looked at bringing wingers in as fullbacks in terms of you being able to look for the overlap and having a very, a very um, talented crosser of the ball playing as a fullback gives you the chance to have four people on the pitch who can put in that perfect ball. Um. So I will say that I'm generally more, I'm generally fairly attribute heavy, um, and and less training heavy when I look at, at players. So if you have the right, if you have the right stats for what I'm looking for, I'm less married to where you, you are positionally. Now that being said, football manager, unlike the real world, um, at least I feel has a bit of a penalty that it makes you pay, um, if you play somebody out of the positions that are defined, whereas I'd suspect in the real world, um, it would be less, it would be less, um, of a burden to the team. Um, but I, I'm almost always pushing. So when I go, um, when I'm looking at fullbacks and especially if I'm assessing, uh, somebody that I want to bring in, um, key things I'm always looking for, um, big crossing, um, big dribbling, big first touch, uh, on that is I hate guys with elephant touch. Um, that drives me yeah. absolutely nuts. Um, <laughs> oh, drives me up a wall. Um, anticipation's a big one for me as well okay. as positioning uh, and vision are big ones. I mean, you know, sort of the usual other stuff that applies, you know, good determination, good work rate, good teamwork, uh, as well as good physicals. Um, but I find vision and crossing are key and a bit underrated and you tend to find them better in wingers. Um, so you can convert guys back more readily. Um, so it is something that I do. I haven't done it as much in this incarnation um, as I've done in prior, just because it feels a little difficult to reach. It, it just feels a little difficult to successfully <laughs> retrain guys in this version um, or with any kind of speed. So uh, I, I steer away from it a little bit, but I'm generally speaking, I'm being very attribute driven. I, I tend not to get hung up that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to put like a 
you know, right midfielder as a left fullback, but yeah. Um, but if you if I'm you're not, um... I've been I've been using right right backs and left backs in the midfield slot a lot in my first few seasons when we were going away from home against big teams. Okay. In the in the league, and I I'm with you that in this year's football manager, you do seem to get punished a lot for it. Um, they do things which you 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 play. I mean, it became something out. I did a lot in previous versions, as you know, playing very defensive to get the point. Mm-hmm. Um. And I would be putting the right back and left back in midfield on this year's version, and I I did notice a lot that they just seem to not be able to tackle or not be able to do the basics. Which I put them there because they are better than the other players are doing, um, which I've, I found very frustrating at times as well. It's um, it's very annoying. Also, for two and a half seasons, I played the exact same player in central midfield as an advanced playmaker on attack. Um, now, his natural position was attacking midfield as an advanced playmaker on attack. So I said, right, I want to retrain you. So I told him, we're going to retrain you in, in central midfield, advanced playmaker on attack. And I played him there for two and a half years. And still, after two and a half years of playing in the position and getting told to train to play in the position, he still wasn't even um, like uncomfortable in it. It just wasn't even an option on on his graph, hmm. which I just found very strange. <laughs> Bear in mind, he was doing a good job in there. There was the, at no point was there any real issue with him. He was one of the exceptions of somebody playing out position because he he did well, but just at no point did he ever become possible to play there according to the game's like rating of the man. Yeah, I find that the, there, there's something about that that's that's not quite right or it's a little off to me. But okay, so we've got our, our well, well we'll finish the defense. Goalkeepers. What um this is actually and and I will fully admit a the goalkeeping role is I struggle a little bit when I'm going into a transfer window and I want to make a goalkeeper upgrade um, just because there's so many dynamics yeah. that play into that, you know, goals, right? It's not just one of those like, oh, gee, I magically upgrade my goalkeeper and I'm going to let, you know, 25% less goals in, right? It just, it doesn't work like that. Right? My goalkeepers yeah. this year just suck. We will get to that in a minute. Um <laughs> Oh yes, oh yes, we will. But but you know what I mean, right? It, it's not yeah, one of those yeah. like you know, it's it's not a, it's not like where you say, okay, gee, if I if if I leave the whole team the same, but I improve the striker and he's you know he's just a generally, you know, better striker, you're going to produce some percentage more goals, all things being equal, right? Yeah. But I think to me. Th- with a goalkeeper, it goes in the, it doesn't necessarily hold true that, right. All things being equal, a better goalkeeper while he'll stop more shots. I'm not necessarily convinced you'll get less goals because it's a, it's a total, it's how that unit works together. Um, so that being said, I actually spend, you know, I, I look for good shot stopping, but I spend an enormous amount of time in the command of area communication, and I forget the third one off the top of my head that's right up in that three, the three C's up at the top. Um, it wasn't it um command was it command of area. Communication, um, 
And I forget the third one that's right there. Communication, commander variant, aerial reach. There you go. They're the um, top three in that in that top corner. Yeah, those are the three that I'm like. But the communication and command of area are the ones that, like, when I'm going to make a goalkeeper upgrade, those are the things that I'm really looking to boost. Because I think, to me, those are almost more powerful to the whole unit, that he can keep the defense where it needs to be. They, they're, they're aligned. They're playing right. And you almost end up with, for, you know, I guess, you almost end up with a multiplied effect of the, the goalkeeper there as opposed to just a better, you know, better shot stopper or, or um, right. uh, of those mixes. But goalkeeping, how do you, so how do you approach, you know, this, since this one is my nemesis position? <laughs> well, I mean, I've just in going in season five, I've just brought in new goalkeeper after four years, three years. I think I signed Lynch in season one. Um, I had Lynch for a few years, but I just realised he was letting me down more times than enough. Um, and it all comes from his reflexes and his decisions and um, also saved parry. Now, when it comes to assessing if I'm going to keep my goalkeeper, you have the saves tipped, saves parried and saves held. Or shots, sorry. Shots tipped, shots parried, shots held. Right. Um, now, for me, the shots parried one is very important. Because shots parried basically refers to him trying to catch it, not tipping it over. He is trying to catch it and he's dropping it. Um, I, I will because tell if he's you tipping that, it, uh, go on. I, I will tell you that a high, I, I will dump a goalkeeper. I don't care if it's Manuel Neuer in there. If he keeps putting out those goddamn second chances for teams, yeah. I, that is something that football manager. I don't know if it's a slant in the game. I mean, to a degree, it it works like that in some leagues I've I've watched, but I would say more universally, it doesn't it doesn't result in goals nearly as much as Football Manager results them in goals. But a goalkeeper that can hold on to that damn ball and just pushes it out for rebounds in front of wingers that bang that yeah. in, I will I will put you out valet parking cars. I don't care who you are if you do that crap on my team. I mean, I find that goalkeepers in Football Manager 2018 are just horrendously crap. And I mean, I would, I just wish that Sports Interactive would come out and just say, look, we, we're really sorry. We're still working on the match engine. We're sorry. We understand that it is literally diabolical. Um, because I've had, I had three goals in a row, two of them for me, one of them against me, where the defender just passed it back and the goalkeeper literally turned his back on it and just went in. Um, and I have genuinely lost count how many goals this season I've conceded where the shot has gone straight at my goalkeeper. And instead of just standing there and catching it, he turns to the side and kind of pushes it into the back of the net. And it's just like, it's genuinely impossible to judge if you should keep or get rid of goalkeeper from that. So I find you've got to just go through his stats and... Um, see what the game is saying. So, I mean, if my goalkeeper has a lot more saves parried than saves held, I will let him go. Um, no question about it. Um, again, mistakes leading the goals as well. If he's done a few, let him go. But for me, it's the two of them are important. The saves tipped because it means he's reaching them top corner ones. And also the saves held because it means anything which is in the normal distance to him, he's, he's getting hold of it. Um which which is it's good, but then also in terms of the stats, like you were talking about, 
for me, it's again, it's the reflexes, decisions, one on ones, and um, balance is important. I find, um, but I mean, I've got a young goalkeeper now. Let me let me bring him up for you. I mean, this guy is actually decent. Before you make a comment, <laughs> I actually have left him out of my squad the last couple of games. He only just turned seventeen. Okay, he's only he's played seven games with me so far. I've been trying to ease him in. Um, he's got fifteen for handling. He's got nine for aerial reach. He's six foot. But he's only got six for balance, which makes me worried about him. Mm, that's a look, But yeah. he's got thir- 13 for decisions and seven for anticipation, which is important for a goalkeeper as well. But in terms of his general goalkeeping stats, 15 for handling, um, eight for reflexes, seven positioning, seven anticipation, 13 decisions. Then he's got for them that that important three for you. He's got nine, seven, and eight. Okay. But I think for such a young kid, I think he's got a lot of potential, especially at this level. Um, I'd be a little less concerned about aerial reach with with a with a six foot <laughs> goalkeeper too. I mean, it's a six little foot's bit, not yeah. that big though, is it? Really? I mean, it's not. It's not like you you kind of expect goalkeepers to be what six three, six four quite all the time. Yeah, but I mean, comparatively, right? Is it's a little bit like you know, I'm not expecting a 20 jumping reach on a six four center back because he doesn't have no. to. He so, need to so I'm willing to dial. You know, I'm I'm willing to dial back that expectation um, as you get a little taller on that one. But yeah, yeah but command. You know, the, I think you make a good point on the reflexes and anticipation pieces. Is it'll help you with those surprise goals. Um, yeah. As a side note, it feels like since at least FM sixteen that I've I've been aware of that goalkeepers have been just the bane of the community's existence. That they just seem off. So, I think it's just fact. We we're, we're in two thousand and seventeen now, two thousand and eighteen in like two days' time, and um, it's just like we're watching a game from the nineties at times in terms of the. The match change. I know it's not about the graphics. We play the game because, I mean, it's like I, I was talking about earlier. And I, I was saying that um, I find football managers were by far the best game in terms of how the the overall game with, you know, like all the stats and how the game engine is and everything. But then you come to the match day and it's like we'd, we've just gone back in time and it's horrendously bad. And it still just really frustrates me, especially just... I know they say... The graphics are just a, a visual description of what's happening, and all that means is the goalkeeper maybe didn't reach the ball. But it's 2018, Colin. I want to see better. I want. I just want to see improve so I can watch on 3D without banging my head against my wall sometimes. Well, it makes it difficult to try and understand what's going on, and especially you know as we talked about this, right? We're we're trying to make notes. We're trying to we're trying to plan. We're trying to understand what's going on. That. It's difficult, you know, and and especially if if what you're seeing doesn't necessarily make sense to what's going on. But I think that this slow crawl through the stats of positions and understanding it is is key um, because it helps sort of take some of that out of the mix, right? Where you see a lot of this screwy thing, and you may be apt to send a goalkeeper on his way when you will, but when you crawl through his stats, you realize, you know, maybe not. Maybe he's not as terrible as as you think he is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's definitely right. Okay, um, so we've we, we've talked about our our defensive unit, what we what we look at when we're doing our assessment, and what we're thinking about, and what we value. 
Let's move up the pitch. Let's talk about central midfielder. So you and I have had multiple discussions, and, and I think we had a good one in the last podcast with GW um, around central midfielders and, and different combinations and, and what we look for. Um, generally speaking, what's your, you know, other than the fact that you like a central midfielder that can't move? Um, pass the ball. It just needs to be able to pass the ball. That simple. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it it depends what he's doing. If he's an advanced playmaker, then um, the created how many chances he created. He needs to be able to pass a ball. He needs to be able to get assists. He needs a very very high pass percentage, in my opinion. He needs a very good. Um, he just needs to do a good, just do a good job, please. <laughs> you're in the middle. You're the you're the link of the team. You're you're the guy who gets the ball from defense to attack. You're the guy who gets the ball and puts out wide for the wingers to put the cross in. You're the guy who knocks it over the top of the striker to run and score the goal. So I want him to be able to control the ball and pass it. It's. I mean, as I mean, we we go on about Bram Ellison, but I mean, he as we always said, he always had over eighty percent pass completion, and that literally was his job. He stood in centre midfield, he got the ball and gave it to the strikers. So that so the, so so you described a ton of in the football manager context intangibles there, right? The ability to move the ball, to see the wingers, to find those things, right? Th- those are all generally intangible, right? That, I mean that that's what that's the end result. So let's see if we can delve in. What key things do you look for that get you that player? Well, he needs to look good. <laughs> so good haircut. Good so- haircut. First name of Bram normally would um sell it. Okay, so <laughs> going through him, I mean, normally for me, they need to have good stamina. They need to be able to work hard. They're going to be the engine of the team. Um, they need to have a good passing and first touch. Now, in terms of technical, if I'm going for just a general central midfielder, I'm quite often very basic. He needs to be able to dribble a ball. He needs to have a good first touch. He needs to be able to pass and tackle. That's it. If he can do them, I'm happy. Okay. Um, now, if he is a box-to-box, long shots would be nice. Um, but in terms of mentals, that's where quite often I expect them to be very determined, good leaders. Again, you're the you're the you're the centre of the team. You need to be doing it. Um, maybe get stuck in a little bit. Good aggression, good bravery, and um, good vision. Obviously, for spreading that ball, passing it about. Um, it would be nice to have good work rate, teamwork, determination, the, the, the key things there. But, I mean, as one of the the young players who I'm put a lot of hope on this year, he has very poor work rate and teamwork. Very poor. Yeah. But he still seems to be doing a decent job. I hope it does improve. Don't get me wrong. I hope it does improve. But at the minute, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. So, well, we'll look for him in the championship. And we'll look for him in the championship and see where he's at. He'll be there, 800 appearances, <laughs> captain. <laughs> so I will say this is an interesting one. Is, is And I, I, went, I actually went back and I was looking at some things. Um, so I, my favorite, when I hit my best stride with midfield is roaming playmaker combined with a box-to-box or roaming playmaker ball winner. Um, but I like roaming playmaker box to box. That that is my midfield duo of of just great success. Cause that so 
what I try and build all my teams into, uh, and, and I think we've talked about it here before. Um, I love just that probing patient, moving the ball around, finding that weakness and exploit it. And I find that those two are the key roles that, that unlock when I, when I set that up. Um, but again, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty similar to what you're at when I'm looking, especially in that, that playmaker role. Um, you know, I, I'm looking for more, I guess I have the same Ben, but I generally am looking for a more, I'm looking for more in terms of the, the physicality side of the player. I'm looking for him to be all over the place to cover huge amounts of, of territory. So I like good acceleration. I like good pace. I like good strength. I, I like my midfielders to be able to push a guy off the ball. Um, yeah. I find as you start to go up more and you start running into, you know, deep lying forwards and and target men that are a little bigger and stronger. Is I like a midfielder that's going to get in there and be able to you know shove a Josie Altador type guy off the ball. Um, I like anticipation a lot in in my playmaking side of the midfield, um, just because I like him to be. I like him to have the speed and acceleration and know how to get in the right place to just make those key interceptions and control it. Um, I, I love nothing more than being able to run a, <clears throat> to build, you know, to just a real nice high line, you know, compress the field where we're going to play it all in the opposition half. We're going to move the ball and just guys being in the right place at the right time. And I, and I find a, a dominant midfield can take a, you can cover for so much mediocrity in other places of your team and you can scale back a little bit what you're trying to do in so many other places on your team. If you just have that, that monster midfield, either duo or trio. Um, I, I've played both. Um, I will fully admit, I do like sneaking a Regista into a defensive midfield role for, for a, you know, sort of a four-three-three defensive midfield tac- type tactic. I I like that influence um, to it. But again, a very a, a very playmaking. You know, move the ball, get it passed. But I, I'm a more physically driven. Um, I know, think player. I mean, I'm kind of with you. Um, I mean, we all know my my problem is loyalty. <laughs> my my problem is loyalty. Um, and I'm with you that I want players who are going to work hard. They're going to work for the team. They're going to be very determined. They're going to get stuck in. They're going to. They're going to be. You're going to steamroll midfield. And I mean, when I if you go away from Joe Watts, obviously the youngster, and we look at the two people who play next to him, both of them are that type of player. I have two players who both are strong. They both like a tackle. They both work hard for the team. They they both they they're just battering rams alongside him almost and. Um, but I feel like going forward, and especially in the next season, if I go up or I don't go up for season six, one of the main things I want to do is um, improve my midfield. But as I say, one of the biggest things holding me back is that um, holding on to Watson, hoping he's actually going to become what I hope he can be. I mean, if we... the spoilers coming up for people who have not seen the series yet. I mean, when we go on to Watts, Watts' um, stats, I mean, it almost tells you you shouldn't have him in your team because he's only got a 72% pass completion rate and a 76% tackle completion rate. Yeah, but um, for, I mean, but well, let, let's rewind and spend a little time on that as we're, you know, since we're talking about analyzing players and, and 
how we would handle him in the transfer window. I mean, if you've got a playmaker and he's only batting, you know, 70, let's call it 75% to make it, to, to make it easier. So three quarters of the time he's knocking it in, but he, the level of risk he's taking as a playmaker is significantly higher than other players on the team. So would you not step back and say, okay, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world? Well, I mean, as you said, I mean, 73 key passes, um, 3,105 passes in total. So, I mean, it's not like he's only knocked a couple and he's given it all away. Um, two mistakes have led to goals, 90 mistakes throughout the whole season. Okay. Um, 19 crosses attempted, but I mean, he's sent from a fielder, so it's not really... Not really his issue there. Six assists, three goals, five man of the matches. Um, it's it's tough to kind of tear yourself away from people when you've got like these youth academy products coming through. But I think when I look at his stats there, I think I'm going to have to dive deep into them and check like chances created and stuff as we said and see see exactly how he's doing. But it's 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 interesting to look through him and just kind of investigate a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's, it, the, that's it, the fun side of the game, in my opinion, being able to investigate people and just go that little bit deeper. It, it's absolutely worth that deeper dive to see what you can do. Okay, so we've covered our defensive unit. We've got our, our midfielders, and we've talked a little bit about our biases and midfield pairings. Wide men. Um, I, I suspect that they fall a bit in like the striker or like fullbacks to a degree. Um you know, good first touch. You want to be able to dribble, get down the wings, get a good cross in, be able to see a good spot. Um, I will complain that I think that this year's football manager, they seem highly insensitive to how you want them to cross the ball. Because it doesn't no matter, matter what you ask, it goes to the keeper. I, I would actually say that I have, I have the world's worst head. So in my Saints save, I have what can only be defined as the worst heading target man in the history of the universe. <laughs> this guy can't put his head on goddamn anything. He he sucks. That being said, this dude buries goals like it's his, you know, well, it is his job. But he buries <laughs> goals like he's supposed to. Yeah, I mean, he was a 40 goal scorer last season. I ran in a I ran him in a two in a two striker system. He was the supporting target man. He was a forty goal guy. The guy next to him was like forty. You know the advanced forward. I think yeah, I ran an advanced forward. It was like forty six or forty eight. So hmm. the dude scores goals. Can't head the ball to save his goddamn life. And I can't figure out a series of instructions. No matter how many times I can set an instruction to a winger that says, <laughs> "Don't." Put the ball above waist high. Just don't. He's not going to know what to do with it. He's going to put it into the 45th row and hit the goddamn hot dog guy with the thing. Don't do it. And yet, game in, game out, cross after cross, what do I see? But my spaz leaping up to put his head on it and sending it in after the beer guy. Like, they don't even sell behind the stands he's attacking anymore because he's taken so many of the hot dog guys out. It drives me. Oh, yeah, I, you have the option for, like, the whipped crosses, low crosses and stuff. And it, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to work. Totally ignores them. Puts them in at his head every damn time. And what can't he do? Use his head. So I am, like... I am on the verge of throwing away a 40-goal scoring striker 
in if uh, 40 goals we played 70 76 games 72 oh that's games a lot of year. games eh? well if you do because remember i go into first i go into first round qualifying a champions league mm. so to get into the group stage i play eight games in the summer and then <laughs> group stage covers six what or no that's yeah six games in the group stage um, I generally make it to the first knockout, so that's another two there. So you got eight and eight, so that's 16 games. Um, I play a 32-game league season, so that's, what, 48 games. And then you put another... The cups as with well, the, with yeah. The, so. With the three cups, so, yeah, 60, 60 sorry. So 62, 60, 62 games Still somewhere in there. big amount, isn't it? It's a bear. That's why I don't play any friendlies in the summers anymore because it's just... There's no nice. reason to. No. You've got your, you've got your qualifiers as your warm-ups. Which is annoying now if you keep getting to the group stage. Do you not find it frustrating that they haven't just said, do you know what, you can just join in the groups. Well, what's annoying as hell to me is as we move... So when I started with the Saints, I think the Welsh Premier League... The Welsh Premier League is like... I don't know, 160 or 170 in the European continental rankings. And the the new Saints are somewhere like 120 or 130. Right now, I'm 71st in Europe. I actually have gone so far and boosted the coefficient enough that we're actually a high third pot team. Um, oh. So we, so rather, you know, rather than being the... I think their coefficient was less than one. When when you start the game, the coefficient's like one or right around one. Yeah. And I'm up to almost, I think, 32, 30, 32 is where I've got the coefficient right now after 10 seasons. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's just a bear that I can't seem to figure. And my, my, my wingers are fantastic. They've got incredible pace. They can, they beat guys down the side just over and over again even good teams i mean i had i had one i ended up with anderlecht in a group and was so annoyed that i, I lost uh 2-1 on the road in a group stage game against them but had my wingers were just eating their fullbacks alive if this spaz i had up front could figure out how to get his forehead pointed in the right damn direction it would have been. Oh. I think he needs. I think he needs selling, doesn't he? If, like you say, if your wingers are putting it on his head all the time, it's almost like if you had another striker who could head it. Imagine how many extra goals you would be getting. That would be what we're planning on in that one. So yeah. So wide. Anything else particular in your wide midfielders that you're looking for in your wide men? I just look at pace. I look at pace. I look at them to be able to cross the ball, pass the ball, good first touch, and good tackling as well. I like them to be able to help back. I don't want anybody in my team who can't defend, so they have to be able to tackle. And so that's where I'm different. Is, is I'm actually I'm actually a lot more forgiving. Um, I'm willing to let my offensive players just be up front. Um, yeah, I'm not necessarily looking for two way players up there. Okay, now we come to the big money expenditures. Every everybody loves, you know. And Higuain, a uh, you know, two of my two of my three strikers that I rotate between academy products now. <laughs> really, I've shown you one of them, and then another one came through last year in the youth recruitment as well, which made gave me the ability just to release the other ones I had because these guys have the ability, I think, to be backup. 
Um, okay. So, so to help folks out, so um, generally, you're you're a one striker system. I'm a one striker system. Yeah, although currently I am playing four two. Really? So just to be awkward, but well, okay, but <laughs> mainly just because they've basically started to read my tactic as we come to the end of the season. So I'm, I've decided, well, okay, we'll just throw everything we've got here and just see what happens. No, that makes some sense. Okay, so from a one-striker system, so I generally play two- or three-striker systems. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of two- and three-striker systems than I am uh, one, although I, I do mess around a little bit with it, but I like a lot of upfront power. So, it, But I think it changes the nature of what you're looking for in a transfer window. So in a one-striker setup, um, what are you keying off of? What What things are you most interested in? Um, well, I mean, one of the things as a one striker tactic is finishing is not the most important thing. Um, you're looking at somebody who can has a really good first touch. You're looking for somebody who can decide where he's going to play the ball. So he has to have good decisions. He needs to know if he's going to run with it. He needs to know if he's going to put it back out. He's going to put it out wide. He's going to put it back in the midfield. Um, you also could do with somebody who's got an, enough pace to outrun a dead man. Um, <laughs> he needs to be able to at least move a little bit. Um, composure is a lot more important than finishing, in my opinion. Um, so I'd much rather take somebody with 20 composure and 10 finishing instead of somebody with 20 finishing and 10 composure. Um so I kind of look around at the all-round player. You want somebody who can link up play. You want somebody who can, who has good mentals so he knows what he's doing. And somebody who can win you the game by not being all about himself. If you have a one striker and every time he gets a ball, he just runs with it, he's going to run into that dead end more times than he can explain after the match. <laughs> so do you have a preferential role? So from a one striker setup perspective, yeah, the, do you deep have a... line, the deep line forward is, it's my go-to. Okay. It's my go-to. It's, um, it links up really well on support as well. I find attacking deep line forward is just, it's just too attacking, believe it or not, with the title attacking. Um, they just, they that just get sense. too excited. Um, but on support, they really do link up. So many times my, my strikers, basically in central midfield linking the play up. And I mean, if I if I go into him now, he's been with me all the way through. We played one striker formation every single season. Um in the first season he scored twenty four. Second season he scored twenty one. Third season he scored twenty one. This is in the league alone. And in the last season he scored thirty. So and he's on eighteen at the minute this season. So he's he's still always in the goals. It's not like he's Dropping deep and it's it's meaning he's not scoring any goals. No, it's it's solid. So, do you ever look at false nines? I've never really used it. I'm I'm not going to say it's a it's a good it's a good option. It's a bad option. It's just something I've never used. I've just deep line forward has been my go to role. You know what it's like when you get a them tactics you use and you kind of get set in your ways of well, I use this role for this tactic or this role for that tactic. I have no idea what you're talking about being set in your ways. It doesn't, I know. I, I'm, I'm clueless. It's, it's been loyal. I'm even loyal to Vols. That's how bad <laughs> it is. 
That's how, that's how bad this is. I'm loyal to Vols. I, I will. I, so I will tell you that I'm. I'm probably closer to that. I, I'm. I'm more loyal to Rolf than I am to players. Um, yeah. So I would say I'm. I'm generally biased more heavily to, um, two and three striker systems. Those are more of what I like. I, I will on occasion go to a one striker system, but, um. I like a lot of front end firepower. I like it's it's pressure on the defense. It's it's I don't know. Pardon me. It's hard to describe. Um, I I like a lot of forward presence in there. So um, two striker systems. I'm generally looking at target man. Advance forward. I'm, I'm actually thinking I'm going to explore a little deep lying forward. That now that you've talked it up a little bit, I'm going to do a little deep exploration. <laughs> but I'm, well, uh, so the first thing I will say is is it's it's skewed very heavily to um, how I grew up with the game um, from a U.S. soccer perspective. That it's kind of cliched a little bit to me, but. That that Altador type player, that that big, strong, hold up play target man, is mm. a is a is a centerpiece to a strong counter attacking setup. Right, it's an outlet for the defense. I can I can get cleared. He can hold it up. I can get hugely pacey wingers bombing down the side that he can then push the ball to when that second advance forward who I'm looking for all. I'm looking. His entire job is to have wheels. Like that, that guy has to have rockets that come out of him. I'm looking for fastest sin and good finishing because I want my hold up man to hold it. Let the winger start bombing, get it out to them, get a good cross in, and that dude's screaming and just pound it into the back of the net. Um, it's just the way I. Gr- it's 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 the it's the the version of football I grew up on here that that's that was the that was just sort of the style the way that the game was kind of taught to me uh if mm. that makes sense so when i'm building like a two uh, a, a two striker tactic that's very much what i'm looking for i'm looking for i'm willing to sacrifice pace for a big strong technically gifted target man although i'd sell my goddamn soul for one that could head the ball now um <laughs> but that aside i'm looking for that that strong hold up guy that you know a Lukaku almost um, right somebody who can really hold the ball up well and then his partner is going to be that that screamer that you know the the dude with wheels that's got the sick finishing the good concentration composure that's just going to get on the end of it and bury those goals one after the other after the other after the other. Um, uh, on that three striker system, I will augment it uh, with. So generally keep the same. Looking at sort of target man advanced forward, um, I'll mess around a little bit with either um, poacher just to sort of lurk around the box. Um, I have played with the Trek Artista. I, I do enjoy that role in a three striker system where he's just sort of there, and he's just there. Just be there. Well, that's his role, right? Is is I'm not looking. I'm really not looking for anything out of the field of play. Like his whole job is to bury those parried shots. You know, when we're talking about goalkeepers and that, 
irritating shot parried stat. That's his entire purpose in life is to take advantage of those, uh, those opportunities. Um, and I find at least with the saints that generally speaking against mid table and below, well, that's uh, not true outside of Bangor city and, um, Conor's key nomads, the rest of the league is even, you know, as promotions and relegations happen, the rest of the league is generally reasonably weak. Um, you're going to have weak goaltenders. So having that, that Trek up there, who's just eating, you know, a poacher or a trekartista just eating those parries alive is, oh, nice. It, it's worth, it's worth, you know, almost worth a goal a game, at least to, in, in that particular league. So, um, but that's, that, that's how I look. But when I'm looking at, you know, so like I said, one of those strikers is always looking for a big physical passing technical, you know, vision presence. And the other one is I'm just looking for a guy who can fly and who knows how to score goals uh, in it. Okay. So we've talked roles, what we look for, what we like. We've talked about formulating a plan. We're, we're, we're doing this objectively. We're looking at statistics. We're into the window. Um, I don't want to cover finances. We'll do that in another. We'll do that in another episode because that's that is a whole conversation in and of itself, especially with the king of finances. How? Um, <laughs> um, how much do you change season to season tactically? Um, very little, depending on what the plan was. Um, if I've gone through the review and said, "Well, done quite well," um, maybe this slight alteration, maybe maybe working the ball into the box or maybe going direct instead of short might help us, might help us actually turn 10 of these games into victories, then then I'm, I might only alter that one or two little instruction or I might alter my opposition instruction plan. Um, I don't really change too much. I've got my two set ones. I've got my 4-4-2 now. I've got my 4-1-4-1. Um, uh... Both of them... The famous, Both of them have wait, different your, opposition plans. Is your four one four one the famous five and five? It is, yeah. Oh. Um, with the the opposition plans of five of them pressing, five of them sitting deep and stuff. So I think it. I don't really alter too much. I more just alter the slight changes in terms of work ball into the box or press a little bit more or get stuck in a little bit more or drop the line a bit deeper, that that kind of thing. But very, very little changes season to season. And it all, again, comes from the review. Just what what did we do wrong? What did we do right? So I will say that I am totally... I am an absolutely paranoid manager. I'm assuming that by the time I get to the end of the season, everybody's got me figured out. They're going to know how to beat me. And <laughs> I need to reinvent myself every summer. Um, so I will, I will actually shift. So I always keep three tactics uh, in. Um, one is purely a continental tactic. We're always on the back foot. I'm, I'm never a good enough team to go in and be, hell yeah, I can beat these guys. We're always, always on the back foot. Um, so one of my tactic slots is always reserved for a solid counterattack base. Oddly enough, I've I've never played a defensive system. Um, always count, counters is the lowest I'm going to go. Um, so one of them, the continental tactic, is always a counterattacking system, and then I have sort of like a 
standard, I need to back it off a little bit um, tactic for the domestic stuff. And then I have a, I'm just going to shove guys down your throat and, and I'm going <laughs> to score and I don't care how many, but we are running it up tactic. Um, yeah. But I do, I do do a fair amount of rotating around um, inside of that. So interesting. So tip number three, we're keeping track. So we've had tip number one is never do it on a higher or low. I'm trying to remember what tip number two was. Oh, well, I can't remember what tip number two was. Oh, have a plan. Always have a plan. Tip number three is get your tactics set. So you know what you're, what you're hunting for. So get your plan, get your tactics set and then know what you're shopping for. Um, when, now this is this this one is an is always an intriguing one for me. When you're in the preseason, when do you like to do your business? Um, right. So so generally across the whole thing, right? Um, it varies a little bit by leagues, right? So like the Welsh league, the domestic window opens in June. England opens in July. Most leagues open sort of July one. Do you prefer to do your business from close of league to that July? Let's just use July 1 as as the generic sort of summer transfer start. Do you like to do your business end of end of season to July 1 so that everybody everybody you want shows up on July 1st? Bing, you're ready to go. You hit the ground running. Or do you do like mid-window? So get to that July one, let release players come out, hunt for free transfers, do that month of July type signing. Or are you like a last minute? Let's get August, you know, August 30th. You know, we are, we are bringing guys in under the line at the, the minute relying on sturdy fax machines that would make Manchester United or Real Madrid jealous. I'm normally a July the first man in terms of, I'll I'll do some pre pre scouting and see who I who I like the look of, whose contracts are running out, but that would have been done in February. Around February time I'll get my list together of people who I think will fit my squad. Um but I never put in offers until they've left the club. I will never negotiate with somebody in June. Um, especially at this level, because what I'll find is that these people will say, Well, I want six hundred pounds a week to leave this club and come to you. But then if you go in for them when they've when they've left the club, they might say, well, I want £300 a week. So I'll always wait until July the 1st, then I will go onto my shortlist and see all the people who have actually been released by the clubs who didn't sign new deals and then go for them then. So I'm always waiting until they've actually left the club because it's all about saving a little bit of money. <laughs> Let it never be known that you've never been accused of being a cheapskate. <laughs> no, no, it's but, but it's interesting. So, like, so for me, I'm. So my season generally ends like first week of May. Mm. I'm on from you know mid May through end of June. I do my business. I want my team, and part of it is is just because we've got Champions League qualification start in July. I want my team set. Everybody who's going to be there shows up July 1. Now, some of it is is I advantageously sort of look at who's wanted and clubs that are hunting and take a guess of, okay, who's leaving, who's not. And and sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. 
I got to sort of manage that a little bit, but I want my team set July 1st. We hit preseason. We are off and running squad is set. We are, we are together moving cohesively and, and that's that, uh, on it, uh, for that next, you know, sort of next question. And, and I don't want to get too much into scouting as a topic because I think that's a, that's a bigger, broader, wider discussion, but, um, do you have particular places you like to go to look for players? Um, like, do you like to look at championship under 20, you know, do you like to make sure you've scouted championship under 23 squads looking for good low knees or, um, you know, league one loan, you know, league one, you know, periphery guys looking for loans to come down to play for you or you know, do you have a particular gold mine you like mining? Um, for me, with this save and with my one last year as well, um, I'd just like to try to be local. I mean, if you go through a lot of the free transfers who I've brought in, um, they're all born around the Manchester area. Um, so I like to try to sign local people as as I'm a low league club. Once I go up the leagues, I'll obviously then start to expand to national, international and see what we can do. But for me, it's just about um, it's about finding them, them bargains, but also trying to play the game realistically. So if you're looking at free transfers, you're looking around the local area. If I'm looking at clubs and I'm looking around again the local areas looking down and maybe the crew Alexandra and looking up towards the Burnley like them them areas and just seeing if I can pick up some players from them I mean my, my I've got a parent club who are Middlesbrough which is a bit annoying because it's over the other side of the country so my realism radar is ticking away when I have to ask them for players luckily they never give me anybody um, <laughs> but but once I go into League Two and you become a professional club, then that's all right. That that's a bit more realistic than Middlesbrough would send send a player over to Manchester for six months um, to play. So, but for me, it's just about currently. It's about scouting local. It's about scouting the free transfers who've been released by local clubs, the Manchester clubs, the the Stockport counties, even all clubs around there. I'm checking all them out constantly. So yeah, local local produce. Okay, um, so I will offer some 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 tidbits. So for players who are especially playing UK based um, lower league stuff, I would say do not ignore Northern Ireland. Um, there are actually some really really good finds in the uh, the Northern Ireland uh, top division, and. Do not ignore Ireland itself, Ireland proper. Um, some fantastic signings that are there. Um, I will ask you because I'm I'm about to, to Ireland to scream a little bit. How much do you hate hard Brexit in football? Hard Brexit in Football Manager. Um, do, do, do you want me to upset you now? Fine, go. For so, it. did Brex when did Brexit come in? Was it last FM? Yes. I think it was the last football manager, yeah. Well, I never got Darlington high enough. Um, <laughs> and then I, I jumped up the league so quickly, up and end up at Brighton, getting them in the Premier League, that I didn't even have time to really have to struggle with it that much. Um, because within a few seasons, we'd bounced up right up into the Premier League, and it was just a big shock. And this year, I've not got to it yet, in terms of I'm still a semi-professional club, so I can't 
scout outside of this country anyway or sign people from outside of the country anyway. So I know I have the hard Brexit. So I know going forward, once we get up there, we are going to come across a lot of these issues. But for now, I just get to sit back and listen to you complain about it. So I will say, hate it. Oh, can we re? Can can, can somebody put a? We need to revote this in the United Kingdom because, oh my God, it's killing me. Um, I can't even go to I. I can't even recruit from Ireland unless I'm recruiting Irish, full blown, frequent first team Irish internationals, of which zero of them are interested in coming to play in Wales. Um, such a pain in the ass to deal with it. Um, I would say the one bit of advice I would have is, is know the rules to it. Um, you can pluck some guys off. Um, I had sent you the other day, I managed to pluck a Portuguese left back who was just infinitely better than anything I had on my squad. Um, the only reason was, is he was playing for Benfica and, I can get enough points by paying through the nose and having somebody play in a top six league uh, to win a work permit appeal. But the downside of that is, is how many guys from, you know, league one or legal in France or the Bundesliga or Syria, or even the Portuguese premier division are like, Hey, you know what I need to do with my career? I need to go to Wales. Cause that's really going to launch it. Um, making for an incredibly frustrating time uh, in the transfer window. So I would say do pay attention to the rules. Um, look for under 23s and under 21s as you can get um, if you need them, but you're going to end up being a very young squad. So get ready for some of the challenges, the mental challenges and that um, that will come, that will come for the, uh, the ride with that. So, We've talked transfers now, so we, we've plotted, we've planned, we look for what we value, we've set our tactics, we've done our recruiting, we've got our players in. So to wrap up our transfer window discussion, favorite part of the transfer window, worst part of the transfer window. Nothing, huh? I do believe we are actually having some minor technical difficulties. I, I do believe that I have lost. Uh, Discord has gone down. So I am going to leave it here. Um, we are at the end of the transfer window discussion. So hopefully um, you get some good key insights out of this. It's interesting. You've learned a little bit. Uh, if you got questions, remember, hit us up on Twitter uh, at FM underscore Yank or uh, at TN underscore The Northman. Um, we're always happy to talk about this. And then we will see you again shortly for more Football Manager discussion. So goodbye, everyone, and thanks for listening.